This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I want to start in kind of an odd place, though, this morning, and it wasn't in my notes, but I want to start uh, as Jesus is walking with Mary and Martha, and he's going toward the tomb of Lazarus. He says to them, uh, you know, uh, take me to him. They say, well, Lord, 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 you know, uh, he's been dead for a while now. This is something that's just settled. This is through. This is over. We know this story of Lazarus as Jesus walks toward this place. They're trying to talk him out of what he asked for. He says, roll the stone away. And they said, no, 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 Lord. Uh, It's not going to be pleasant. Can I just tell you that one of the reasons that some of you can never get the victory that God's called you for is because you're not willing to go through a little bit of unpleasantness to walk in the victory that God's called you to. And so they roll the stone away, and as they roll the stone away, Jesus makes one cry, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, we don't know exactly where Lazarus was, but we believe he was in the bosom of Abraham at this point. And then suddenly he says, God, sorry, but I hear somebody calling my name, and I've got to go. And he goes, and, and, and the scripture says he hobbles out, and he's still tied up in the grave clothes, and, and they loose him. Jesus brings him out of that grave. Now, think about it. If you had laid dead in a grave for four days, how many of you would would probably never want to go back to one? Well, Lazarus becomes a problem for the Jewish leaders. Lazarus becomes a problem for the Jewish leaders because he is a living testimony to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So even after Jesus has ascended, they're still they're trying to quiet this, this story. They're trying to quiet this down that it's possibly that, that he really did raise from the dead. But, and and they, every time they say, well, well, that didn't happen, they say, well, there's Lazarus walking around. If he could raise him from the dead, how come he couldn't get up from the dead himself? So Lazarus becomes just as much hunted as if uh, uh, the other disciples are, and Lazarus has to be taken from the region, and, and history tells us that Lazarus goes as far, and listen to me, I feel the Holy Spirit in what I'm saying to you now, uh, history tells us that Lazarus goes as far as uh, France, and, and there in, that, in France he begins to, to preach the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. As that, that region begins to be converted to Christianity, as it begins to be converted to uh, what God was uh, doing through uh, Lazarus' ministry, the paganism of the, of the community rises up, and as it rises up to uh, 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 quiet his voice, Lazarus has to begin to be hidden, and they'd bring him out, he'd preach, and then they'd hide him. And does anybody want to guess where they would hide Lazarus? In a tomb. They would always take him and hide him in the tomb. Now, wait a minute now. He had laid in a tomb for four days, and they would take him at his request and hide him in the tomb. Why would they hide him? My goodness, somebody needs to get this. Why would they hide him in the tomb? Because he knew that the same Jesus that brought him out of the first tomb could bring him out of every subsequent tomb that he was going into. Does that make sense to you today? And so, ultimately, when he comes down to the time of the end of his life, and people are like, why? 
why are you not afraid? He said, I'm just headed into another tomb. But the one who brought me out of that tomb and that tomb and that tomb and that tomb, he's going to bring me out of that tomb also. Come on now. For one day the dead in Christ shall rise. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I tell you today, the God who's been faithful to you through every storm, through every trial, through every burden and every problem, he's going to be faithful to you today in the storms of the day, the trials of the day. He is able. My God's hand is not shortened and he has not gone to sleep and he has not grown weary in well-doing because my God can still deliver. I feel this today. See, I began a series in this place on Wednesday evening, and, and I want to bring you a message called Run for Your Life, and the reality is I could have called it Run for the Graveyard, but Run for Your Life, and Running for Your Life is based out of this series that we began on Twice the Miracles, because this is, this is the, the simplicity of this, that every miracle has to happen twice. I want you to get this. Every miracle has to happen twice. You see, miracles cannot happen in your physical until they have been grasped in your spirit. Jesus looks at them as he's headed toward the tomb. He said, if you'll just realize that I am the resurrection and the life, he that what? Believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, wait a minute now. What service time are we in? Is this still 8.15? Let me try that again. If you can get a hold of it in your spirit, man, God says when you can get a hold of it in here and you begin to believe, I am the resurrection and the life, though you were dead, if you can believe, though you be bound up in your sin, though you be under a burden that you can't carry on your own, if you just believe, then you can live again. He says, I've got to get it inside of you before I can make it happen around you. You see, a physical walk of obedience is what opens the door for the spiritual to change our physical reality. This is so important. You see, most of us want to do the same things we've always done, and God do things that we've never dreamed of. But God says, the things that you have done is what have made way for me to do the things that I have done, and it's what I am doing. He said, but if you'll start believing me for more than you've ever asked, imagined, even began to think, then I can begin to make about a reality change in your life. And my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit. So in other words, we, we know what we're supposed to do, but we're too busy trying to juggle the fix in the physical that we don't allow the spiritual change to happen in us. God says forgive, but we don't want to forgive. We just want to fix it so it looks like we win. I need like 10 more. Okay, okay. All right, I just need to make sure I'm doing a check here on your polls. You see, the reality is that until I know that I, I begin to let him do inside of me what he wants to do inside of me in my spirit, man, as he begins to do it inside of who you are, that's what begins to make it a, a, a physical reality around you. I would dare say this, that when God begins to change you in the side of who you are and begins to build your faith, that the reality around you has to line up with the reality that that's within you because watch this now they said you don't even need to play the music one more time for us why because we're not going to bow we've already made up our minds on the inside of who we are that whether whether we come out of that fire or not that we're going to honor God and what happened why did they not burn in the fire the reason they didn't burn in the fire is not because of the overwhelming protection of some kind of glow of God around their life the reason they didn't burn in the fire was one of the laws of thermodynamics that says this when the 
fire inside of something is hotter than the fire outside of it. It will not allow it to be consumed. So they had a fire inside of them that was hotter than the fire outside of them. Could God be looking for a people today who will run for their lives and trust God? They say, God, a lot of fire inside of me that the world can't put out, that the world can't stop, that Jesus Christ can be glorified and it changes in the physical reality. Pastor Don, you're already yelling and you're not even out of your introduction. Well, yes, now I am. <laughs> Almost. Matthew 21, 21. Then Jesus told them, I tell you that the truth, if you have faith and you don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Now, some of you are going, I can have anything. No, no, I didn't say genie. What I said was, well, you start obeying him inside of you, the physical world will then line up around you. Okay? So, so important. Let me hurry today. You see... There's this moment in the Gospels where Jesus is on his way outside of Jericho and he meets a man whose son is suffering with seizures. The father's not sure where to go and, and what to do. So he says to Jesus, I think it's amazing what he says, he says, have mercy on us and help us. Notice these three words, if you can. He said, look, I've tried everything else, but I mean, if you can help me, will you help me? If you can. If what? You can. Say it with me. If you can. See, that sounds like a statement of doubt, and it is. But the reality is most of us have said that more than we've said the other side of this. And I've been praying the other side of this for weeks. Jesus says all things are possible to him who believes. Let me do it inside of you, and I'll change what's happening around you. Then the boy's father says, what's this? I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. Wow. You see, I think the Father speaks for all of us there. Because we all have a mixture of faith and doubt. Can I get an amen for that? All of us are card-carrying members of the Doubters Club. And there's pretty good company all around us. But guess what? Doubt means to feel uncertain about. You see, we, we struggle with doubt when we're not sure what to think. We struggle with doubt when we're not sure what to believe. We struggle with doubt when we're not sure what to do. And doubt tries to grab a foothold when something happens and it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't, something just doesn't add up. It doesn't fit our worldview and it creates an internal struggle. So doubt begins to creep into our life. Doubt comes in when bad things happen to good people. Doubt comes in when we experience injustice. Doubt comes in when we, somebody needs, I'm, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just stopped me on that one. Listen to what I want to read it again. When you've experienced injustice, it makes you want to doubt God sometimes. Doubt comes in when we get a difficult diagnosis. Doubt comes in with the divorce papers. Doubt comes in when we grieve the loss of a loved one. Doubt comes crashing in. So important. 
This is where those who love Jesus find themselves after the crucifixion. And that's where we really begin this second message of this series. Really, it's in Luke chapter 24, verse number 1 says this. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now listen to me. I've been there. It's not a very big place. If he's in there, you're going to know it. It's a small little room. And as they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. So they're standing there going, he's got to be here somewhere. I'm telling you, it's about this big. You know, if he's there, you're going to see him. Their minds can't comprehend it. Now, here's the problem. The word that is used here is puzzled, and that word is a Greek word, which is aporeo. And aporeo, it means perplexity, anxiety, uncertainty. One translation says they stood there confused. But a literal translation of the word aporeo means they stood there in doubt. They stood there not knowing what to think. They don't know what to do. They are standing there with these spices they prepared. They're going to handle this the best they can. But now they show up and their best is not good enough because they can't find him to put anything on him. And then we pick up the story in verse number five. It says the women were terrified and they bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Do what? Remember. Do what? Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Watch this. Then they remembered what he'd said. Listen to me. We have a tendency to remember what we should forget. And we forget what we should remember. And oftentimes, remembering is the difference between faith and doubt. If I will remember what God's told me to remember, it's something that brings me around to a place of faith because faith is a function of remembering God's faithfulness. My goodness, I feel this today. But I want you to get this. Faith is a function of remembering God's faithfulness. Doubt is forgetting what God said and what God has done. I titled this message, Run for Your Life. If you're going to start running, then you might need to start jogging. So let me jog your memory. Come on, amen. May you be reminded of what God has spoken to you. May you be reminded of what God has spoken about you. And may you be reminded of what God has spoken for you. You see, God knew where you were going. He knew what you were going through. And I guarantee you, he sent you signs along the way to remind you of who he is. To remind you of what he could do. To remind you of his faithfulness. 
But too many times, his promises become like sinking sand through our fingers, but yet we chain ourselves down with all the things that we really ought to forget, the shame and the bondage and the pain, and we chain ourselves to those things, and we cannot walk on. But I've come to tell you today that there's a hope, and his name is Jesus, and we find this hope not at a cross, but in an empty tomb. Listen to me. In Luke 24, verse number 9, it says this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalena, Johanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But, listen to this, but the story sounded like nonsense to the men. Subsermon. Men, listen to the women. Well, that was awful weak. <laughs> Let me say it again. Some of you men, I'll say men. Men, listen to the woman that God's put into your life when she starts telling you, don't give up, keep going to church, keep praying, keep believing, keep walking, because God's going to bring us through this. If we'll just remember what he said, amen. But like most men, they didn't believe it. But look at verse 12. So here's where I've been trying to get you to. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. What did I call this message? Run for your life. If you want to run for your life, you need to know where you're running to. And where do you need to run to sometimes? You need to run to the tomb. When your circumstances don't make sense, run to the tomb. Listen to me now for just a minute. When it feels like your life is falling apart, run to the tomb. When you are wrestling with doubt, you need to run to the tomb. When all else fails, you need to run to the tomb. Listen to me. God sent me with a word for you today. You see, it's at the tomb that we believe the miraculous. It's at the tomb that we realize that what he finished at Calvary really was sealed when on that third morning, he arose from the dead. It's at the tomb that I'm reminded that no matter what holds me down, no matter what holds me back, he is the resurrection and the life. Come on now. And I can be free. I can walk in victory. I can, I can overcome this. And I don't care what's trying to destroy me right now. I plant my feet and I take a stand looking at what he's already done. And I remember, my goodness, somebody needs to listen to me. I remember that when the enemy tried to take me out there, my goodness, God brought me through. When the enemy tried to stop my voice, God brought me through. When the enemy tried to trap me in his sin, God's grace outran the sin. And I remember what God has already done. Oh, wait a minute now. Some of you are going, but pastor, and I look at that tomb, I'm reminded of stuff that's settled and done in the tomb. And you have to realize something. You see, the devil might have taken your marriage. The devil might have taken your relationship with others. And the devil thinks that he's won. But instead, you look into that tomb and you realize, because Jesus is alive, I can become a living testimony that divorce doesn't have to destroy your faith. I can become a living testimony that addiction doesn't have to take your, your living testimony of 
grace. I can become a living testimony that says, though I may have buried a loved one, I'm looking on the other side. And one day when I go through this door itself, I will be greeted by them. Why? Because I can hear the words of Jesus that he is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Why don't you give that kind of God a praise like he deserves? The next time the devil starts trying to destroy you, just jump up and run. People are like, where they're going? They're going to the tomb. They're getting back to Jesus. The date is April 14th, 1755. General Edward Braddock is sailing up the Potomac, uh, Potomac River. He arrives in a sleepy little town called Georgetown. That is where Braddock anchored his ship. If you like history, it's an interesting thing that occurred there on that day. There he picked up a 23-year-old recruit named George Washington. He would learn and serve as his aide. It was Washington's first assignment in the military. If you were to go to D.C. today, monuments literally everywhere. I was standing waiting on an Uber and looked up and it said, here on this spot, Reagan was shot. I moved. But if you were to drive down Constitution Avenue to the west, you would approach the Theodore Roosevelt Bridge. Just below the Lincoln Memorial, there stands a very small, non-invasive historical marker that looks like a well. On top of the well, there's a manhole cover. If you were to pop open this manhole cover, there are metal ladder that extends down 16 feet below the surface of the rock. There, you would see a small stone's top, and that is Braddock's Rock. This is the place where Braddock anchored his ship and tied off on that day. It ranks as the oldest landmark in our nation's capital. It's important because of Washington's career beginning there. It's important mostly because when they began to build Washington, D.C., they sat upon Braddock's Rock, the plumb line. From Braddock's Rock, every line was drawn from east to west and north to south. And Braddock's Rock became, listen to me, the key of all keys to the city of power. Listen to this preacher today. The empty tomb, a very simple rock that now is encroached upon. People say to me, which tomb do you embrace? And the one I embrace the most, there's several that people claim are the tombs of Jesus. I don't embrace the ones that have the paganism all around them. I embrace the one that the, the evil darkness that's ruling that region is trying to wipe out. And they've literally made a, a bus stop within about four feet of Calvary. And they park buses, one after the other. It's a mechanic shop for buses up against it, trying to get the noise and the, trying to break the rock apart so that the facial structure would be gone. But that old gnarly-looking rock, that empty tomb, has become the key of all keys for our lives. That when hell comes knocking, I remember 
the one who looked death, hell, and the grave right in the face. And he said, I am the victor. And he took away their keys. And he won the victory for us. Listen to this old preacher for a moment. The resurrection becomes the key to the door that brings the miraculous into our physical reality. We spend so much time looking back at the cross because of our failures that we don't spend enough time looking at the tomb because of his victory. It's time for us to leave our sins at the cross and learn to walk in the victory that he gave us. Because it's from a place of victory we will learn to look forward to the hope of Jesus Christ. In the words of the song we've sung this morning, I... I've lived stories that have proved your faithfulness. I've seen miracles that my mind can't comprehend. I've watched as people sent home to die were healed in a moment, and the people who laid hands on them were healed at the same moment also. I've seen miracles and beauty that I cannot understand, and it all points to Jesus. The wonder-working God. I can't resurrect a man with my own hands. But just the mention of his name can raise the dead. I've seen cancer disappear. Every time we sing that, I point right there. I don't know how many people I've laid hands on right there, and the cancer has just disappeared. What I'm testifying right there. Just boom. Boom. I've seen broken bones restored. I've seen real life resurrection. I've seen you come alive. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me my God can't do it. I've watched. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. I've seen troubled souls delivered. And I've seen addicts finally free yes I know that he can do it we will see cities in revival salvation will flood the streets I know that he can do it for the world will see his glory in a way it never has seen before Would you stand with me for just a moment today with one thought on Calvary, one thought on an empty tomb. I want you to find your bearing on the cross and the resurrection and the hope of the return of the soon coming King. Just a couple of simple questions. One is this is simple, but do you believe if this is the case, I want to see your hand. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God. If that's the case, I want to see your hands all over this place. The living testimony that Jesus is alive. Yes. All right. Put that hand down. Now I want to ask you another question. Don't respond to this question yet. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God, are you living like it? Are you living in that victory? Are you living in that power? Are you living in that deliverance? 
Are you living like it? With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. If you're here and you say, Pastor, there's some areas of my life where I'm not living like it. And I need God to help my unbelief. I need God to take it out of my hands and birth it in the spirit so it can become a reality in my physical. But if that's you, I want to see your hand right where you are. Literally hands all over this place. Wow. All right. Father, I I feel compelled to begin to pray yet even now. Lord, I thank you for the positive confession to who Jesus is. I thank you for the positive confession to the reality that comes into our lives when we know who Christ is. But you see the areas that we're trying to fix on our own. We cannot and we will not. Lord, I'm going to say it again. We cannot and we will not be able to fix this on our own. But in Jesus, my goodness, in Jesus' name, by the authority of Jesus Christ, Lord, I praise you and I thank you that today, I declare it again, today you are in charge and you are able to change in our lives whatever needs to change so we can believe that you're going to do something in the spiritual that's going to change the physical realities of our life. Lord, I don't know who this is, but that job situation that somebody can't get straightened out, you're going to straighten it out in the name of Jesus. Lord, that thing that's been detracting from your family, that God's going to heal in the name of Jesus. Those, those sicknesses that you can't carry on your own, I'm telling you, restoration's coming and healing power in the name of Jesus Christ by the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Would you give God some praise this morning? Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.